0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. In 2019, Congress and the Department of Defense adopted reforms after getting years of reports of unsafe housing conditions on U.S. military bases, everything from mold and rodents to leaky roofs. But new reporting by Investigate West has found that these reforms have fallen short. Investigative reporter Kaylee Tornay has talked to 10 families at the sprawling Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington, and she joins us now. Welcome back to Think Out Loud.
1: Hi, hey Dave. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it.
0: So I wanna start with what led to um, the the attempted reforms, a tenant bill of rights. What prompted Congress and the Department of Defense to enact these reforms?
1: Yeah, so one of the main sort of catalysts was this really extensive reporting uh, in uh, 2018 and 2019 uh, from Reuters where they really explored some of these most egregious issues around you know lead exposure asbestos exposure and particularly with one of these companies an issue where um, they were you know fraudulently uh, completing these work orders and that actually ended up leading to you know by uh, criminal charges for the company you know multi-billion dollar fines. Um, And it it caught a lot of attention at at that point, you know, kind of the the state of housing and, and the real toll that that was taking on health and safety for these families.
0: So members of Congress and the Pentagon, they were alarmed and they eventually enacted the Tenant Bill of Rights. What are the rights? I mean, what's supposed to be guaranteed?
1: Yeah basically, the tenant Bill of Rights is supposed to be you know a document that spells out rights for tenants and pathways to you know resolve issues when tenants feel that those rights are being violated um It was implemented by the DoD in uh, 2021 and you know these private housing companies that manage uh, military housing on domestic bases, you know kind of all, but I think there's maybe a few that have said at this point they're not like fully implemented, but, you know, the majority of them said, yes, we're fully implementing these these rights. Um, it is 18 different rights um, that are essentially meant to ensure that these tenants have access to stable, safe. Um, you know, reliable housing um, and that they know what they're getting into before they they rent a unit um, through means uh, like a seven-year uh, maintenance history and um, also that they have a process that they can turn to uh, through a dispute resolution process to um, try to have issues addressed when they arise and um, So, yeah, that's basically kind of what that document is supposed to do, you know, sort of enshrine rights of tenants to get advance notice before uh, maintenance personnel enter their homes. Um, Basically kind of cover all bases in terms of before they move in, while they're living there and when they move out, that everything is fair and safe.
0: This went into effect two years ago or so, and it was supposed to. Just empower military families who live on domestic bases and encounter problems. But as you found, that's not, it's often not working as intended. Can you tell us about Amanda Klinzick's experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's important to note, even before getting into that, that, you know, this tenant's bill of rights is still um, not something that all residents even know about. They don't often even feel well-versed in what those rights are. And so that's obviously a problem with, uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, fight for those rights in the first place. So so that in itself, the education piece continues to be an ongoing issue even, you know, almost two years after this went into effect. Um, in Amanda's case, you know, she's one of those uh, residents who, was informed, you know, informed herself, um, knows what her rights are, you know, tries to assert them, and she really found that there were instances where um, her she was really struggling to have those rights upheld. You know, she told me about multiple different times um, that she said Liberty uh, staff, uh, and Liberty is the um, <clears throat> excuse me the housing company that manages on base housing at JBLM. Amanda told me there were multiple times that maintenance staff um, came and accessed their. Their home without um, giving prior notice. They actually, when you go and visit their house, they have a, um, a sign on the front, a little like taped note that says like Liberty staff, you know, call before entering, like here's the phone number. Um, Something to that effect. Um, they really struggle, have struggled with mold. Um, you know, she has said that there were things that she's discovered in terms of remediation that's gone on at the house that she says were not in the seven-year work history that her family, you know, had a chance to review before they moved in, as is their right under the tenant Bill of Rights. So, you know, she's raised questions about whether those work histories are really, you know, completely uh, serve as a complete picture for, you know, the kinds of health concerns that a family might want to know about before moving into a unit. She says if she had known that there was, you know, mold remediation or holes, uh, you know, an issue in the roof beforehand that she and her family would not have moved in because she has a, a severe mold allergy. When mold has turned up in their, in their townhouse, she, um, you know, has gotten hives. Um, it really has affected her, her health and um you know she's tried to work with even the military uh, uh tenant advocate that's another thing that was uh you know sort of uh, an invention of the tenant bill of rights is the the you know guarantee to access to a, a military tenant advocate um, through the housing management offices office at each installation Um, and she says that that really hasn't provided much help for her so those are just some of the examples that her experience kind of shows the you know the weaknesses in the actual implementation of the tenant bill of rights because she says she still has to you know file multiple maintenance requests like follow up a bunch of times and that the mold remediation really isn't up to the standards that she knows it would take to you know kind of ease her worries about um it growing back basically and remaining sort of present in the home
0: what kinds of issues did you hear from other on-base residents
1: yeah it really can run a gamut um definitely talked to some people who had dealt with rodent issues um one of the folks that we spoke to for example um uh Haley davis um she had kind of alerted uh liberty when she moved into her home that she noticed that there were um you know some some cracks and just unsealed areas in her home um you know that she was worried about rodent access to the home and she said that those were she was told that those were just like the result of you know foundation settling um, that there was not really anything to worry about. Um, months A few months ago, she started discovering mouse poop around the house. Well, she saw a live mouse on her kitchen counter, she said. And then um, since then, you know, she's been trying to get, she was trying for a while to get, um, you know, pest control out uh, for help, you know, managing this. And she was finding, you know, mouse poop in her two-year-old daughter's play kitchen while she was waiting. Um, so, you know, just trouble having that Uh, issue be addressed in a timely manner. Other people told us about, you know, their concerns about the water, which the water is managed by a different contractor than the housing company. Um, But it certainly, you know, falls kind of under that category of health and safety concerns. Um, One of them shared with me, you know, videos that she took of, uh, you know, really like brown water flowing out of her um, kitchen tap. Um, you know, residents have been assured that that water is safe to drink, um, safe to use, but of course, you know, that <laughs> doesn't really ease their minds um, all that much, uh, having brown water coming out of their of their kitchen sinks.
0: What response did you get from Liberty Military Housing? And, and actually, they're, they're one of just a handful of companies around the country that, that own and manage these, these properties sort of for the Department of Defense, these on-base properties, what did they tell you when, when you brought these various residents' concerns to their attention?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Liberty, you know, really responded to us mostly with a kind of a statement about, um, you know, how they're fully committed to ensuring their residents live in a safe and healthy environment and that their communities provide a safe and comfortable living experience for all of their residents. You know, they also um, pointed us to sort of their internal process um, of, you know, uh, different managers that they kind of you know are asking residents to escalate their concerns to before you know approaching anything like this uh, dispute resolution process that's uh, outlined in the the tenant Bill of Rights so you um, You know, and they also kind of pointed to, you know, their commitment to different reforms, like the seven-year maintenance history. Um, You know, they said that that provides unprecedented transparency to service members when deciding where to live. Um, But, yeah, largely, you know, that was sort of the the statement that we got from them.
0: Hmm. Well, how much leverage do on-base residents have? How many options do they have?
1: that actually can be kind of one of the issues is that, you know, there's various sort of channels that people can go through. And so I don't, you know, they, they all sort of reported different um methods to me. You know, one person would, file, just keep filing maintenance requests through, you know, Liberty's like app. Um, another person would try to call the like district office and then escalate up through the managers, which, you know, Liberty says that is the step that those are the steps that they expect people to take and that they want people to take. And they try to let people know that they should take, um, you know, another person reaches out to um, maybe their, 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 um, soldiers uh, chain of command and ask them to get involved to advocate for them and some people found a little bit of help that way and other people um you know really really didn't there's also going, uh, you know, right to the military uh, tenant advocate on on base. And some people went that route really early. Um, so it really, there are a variety of channels. There's also this thing called an ICE complaint, um, which is just sort of another general process. is isn't really specifically geared toward housing. Other people went to the um, Government Accountability Office of Inspector General when they felt like they are Base, uh, you know, was they weren't getting uh, action and weren't getting um, response from on base resources. So there really are a lot of paths, and that kind of contributes, I think, to you know how confusing and um, just kind of how. Um, People don't always get the results that they are looking for because they don't always know what the best process is and what the prescribed process is. And other people try to use that process and still feel like they're not getting their needs addressed.
0: And that gets us back to the education piece you said earlier that that to a great extent the the broad strokes, or let alone the details of the tenant bill of rights, have it seems not really clearly been. Explained or or posted um, or just, or brought to people who live on base. What about housing options off base? To what extent are those available or an option?
1: Yeah, um, you know JBLM is about ten miles south of Tacoma. Um, Tacoma is not a cheap area to be looking for housing. <laughs> Certainly, you know Washington is not an easy place for uh, when it comes to cost of living. And that in itself, you know, leaves some of these families who are maybe lower um, ranking, um, you know, enlisted families with some of the fewest options around. And, you know, people can't always, uh, you know, afford to have an hour long commute each way they choose maybe a smaller town that's that's a little further outside of the area. Um, so you know, those are the families who often feel like they have really no other option but to wait for uh on-base housing and you know as we kind of pointed out in our story the demand for on-base housing is extremely high there's a, a very long waiting list for most if not all of these communities you know the the office sends out kind of updates each month of like okay as of you know june 28th here's what the wait time is for each specific community and some of them are Literally a year. So um, that really kind of goes to show you that there's not a lot of options for families in the community, um, largely because, you know, in Washington and in Tacoma area, housing is very expensive. You know, I was looking at median rent for a, a two bedroom apartment, which, you know, could be good if someone has a small family. But if you have, you know. More more children, you you definitely would need more than a two bedroom, and that can be you know seventeen hundred dollars a month um, on base housing. You know they'll they'll take your basic housing allowance, and um, and that can just be more affordable for people. So that's kind of the option that they the only option they really have.
0: I want to go back to the beginning. We, we mentioned that Congress uh, in a, in a defense authorization in a in a, in a big budget bill they paved the way for the Senate Bill of Rights that has now been implemented. What have members of Congress said about the situation now?
1: Yeah, they've continued to kind of, you know, write letters, have hearings. Um, They've invited families to come, you know, speak to certain committees, um, like the Armed Armed Services Committees. Um, so they have continued to listen and continue to sort of write letters to, you know, Department of Defense leadership saying, look, you know, this is not meant to be an optional thing. Compliance with the Tenant's Bill of Rights is not meant to be optional. We expect you to hold the housing companies accountable. You know, it's a really complicated thing. Everyone will kind of tell tell you about the fact that these contracts that the DOD has with these housing companies, you know, they're they're very long. They're like 50-year contracts that were signed in the 90s. Um, you know, both parties have to agree to reopen and negotiate any terms of those contracts. And so, um, you know, there's there's that aspect that logistically it's, it's complicated. You know, the Tenant Bill of Rights didn't come with any sort of consequences for the contracted housing companies if they you know don't <laughs> adhere to them um so congress has really i think been urging and the military housing advocates as well have been really pushing for even a, a sort of a mindset change a culture shift of you know while the housing companies are important partners for the department of defense there also needs to be you know a, a mindset of accountability um and so you know so far that's largely what i've sort of observed in my research um and then you know there's also some talks about how to take concrete actions to you know just empower the DOD more as well to um you know advocate on behalf of of families.
0: Kaylee, thanks very much. Thank you. Kaylee Tournay is an investigative reporter with Investigate West. She recently reported on ongoing problems for residents at Joint Base Lewis-McChord despite the Tenant Bill of Rights that was enacted just a couple years ago.